Podcast, Answer Man, episode number 436. Hey everybody, this is Gary Vay, Nerdchuck, and you're listening to the podcast Answer Man. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friend. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in, or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And well, my friends, today's episode is going to get a little geeky. (laughs) It's going to be quite technical, and I'm going to try to make it as entertaining as I possibly can, but the topic that I'm going to be discussing today is FeedBurner. Now, this is probably going to be one of the most technical episodes of Podcast Answer Man, at least in a very long time, and I don't plan on every week having content like this, so hang in there with me, and if this does not appeal to you, this super technical, geeky jargon, then feel free to tune in next week, but at least you can hear the history of why I started using a service called FeedBurner. And why now, 10 years later, when there are plenty of other options for setting up a podcast, why am I still using FeedBurner today? Maybe even more importantly, why am I still teaching other people how to create a podcast using FeedBurner? These are questions that come up for me personally, frequently. And so I figured I might as well go ahead and get around to creating a podcast episode to talk about this. Now, one thing that I'm going to do here at the open of the episode is I'm going to assume at this point, that you already know what an RSS feed is and why it's important to podcasting. And I realize that there probably are a number of you who are listening to my voice in this podcast episode and you're not quite clear on what a podcast RSS feed is. And for those of you who fit into that realm, let me just say that the podcast RSS feed is basically a text file that has special code or tags inside of it that are standardized and if the proper tags are included in an RSS feed, specifically one that is for a podcast, if the appropriate tags are there, then podcast catching software can look into anybody's RSS feed that supposedly has the proper tags inside of it And no matter what tool or what method you use to create that RSS feed, that podcast catching software can pull the appropriate information about your podcast and then deliver and display the information related to the episode of your show. See, I told you we were going to get geeky in this episode, didn't I? Anyway... Back when I started podcasting, back in December 2005, there really weren't any software platforms available to us that made it easy for us to generate our own podcast RSS feeds. Back then, I taught myself how to do this using a text editor. I literally looked at all of the required code that had to be in this thing called an RSS feed, and I opened up a text editor and began to write down line by line all of the code that was necessary to 
be read by this podcast catching software out there. And back then there were quite a few different pieces of software out there. There was iPod or X and Lemon or Juice or something like that. And of course the most popular software out there being iTunes. Now one thing I can tell you from personal experience is that hand coding an RSS feed for podcasting using an HTML editor is not necessarily the most fun or glamorous thing you can do with your day. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, effort, and energy once you learn how to do it, and there are some processes and things that you could do to make it a lot simpler, but still it's probably way beyond what most average people would ever want to do for themselves. It is a little bit on the geeky side of things, And while that's somewhat appealing to me, it still can be a chore, especially if you have a little minor typo in one of the tags. And it certainly isn't something that I would have taught to other people. And as early as 2006, I already had people asking me, Cliff, can you teach me how to do what you're doing? Can you teach me how to set up one of these podcast RSS feeds? On top of the request for people asking me to teach them things that they could duplicate themselves relatively easily, I also was looking for a solution that would allow me to record podcast episodes, edit them, and then upload them into some kind of software that would then allow me to schedule those episodes for later release. For example, this podcast episode right here, this is episode number 436 of Podcast Answer Man, and it is scheduled to be released on Friday February 12th, or at least it will be after I finish recording this, but I'm recording this episode on Monday, January 25th, and as soon as I finish recording and editing this episode, I will immediately upload it to my media host, and by the end of today, this podcast episode will be scheduled to automatically be sent out into my RSS feed on Friday the 12th at 5 a.m., Eastern time, and that's going to happen no matter what, and of course, I'll actually be in New Zealand at the Asia Pacific Podcast Conference when this is actually being released, and I won't have to do anything else about it, so not only was I looking for a solution that other people could duplicate more easily than hand coding an RSS feed, I was also looking for functionality that would allow me to automatically release new content into an RSS feed down the road. Now, back in the day, there were already content management systems out there. I'm talking about services known as Blogger, and today, of course, WordPress has taken over the world by storm, but there were many different platforms out there that had the ability for you to post content onto your blog, for example, and that software automatically had tools that would create the RSS feed for you, at least for blog RSS feeds. It did not have the information for podcasting, but it did have all of the standard RSS feed code for the blog portion of the RSS feed. And these blogging systems, these content management systems, did have the ability for you to write posts and save them as a draft, and more importantly, it allowed you to choose to publish them at a future date, which means that the system would keep that information private off of the website until the date and time that you would choose, and then at that date and time, without you having to do anything at all, it would automatically then make that new content go live on your website 
And of course, as soon as it went live in your website, it immediately changed your RSS feed to include that content as well. So knowing this, there came along this service called FeedBurner. And what FeedBurner would allow you to do is it would allow you to take any RSS feed and bring it into their system. And what FeedBurner would do was two things that were extremely helpful. The first thing that it did was automatically add all of your iTunes or podcast-specific code or meta tags that were required for podcast catching software. So basically, it took this RSS feed from your blog software that had no idea that what podcasting was at the time and had no support for podcasting in the RSS feed, but it did have all the other required code for an RSS feed, including whatever content that you put in your blog post, and I'll get to the link to your MP3 file in just a moment, but anyway, it would take all of that standard RSS feed and then add the additional elements, and so basically all it did was take your original RSS feed and then added just a little bit more information, the required information for a podcast. Now, how did it get that information? Well, FeedBurner has a little interface and it just asks you to answer a couple questions about your podcast. It asks you for the name of your show. It asks you for your artwork. It asks you for your description and what category you wanna be listed in. All of that basic information and it took your plain, ordinary blog RSS feed and added that additional information and then at the end result, they give you a FeedBurner RSS feed and then you could take this FeedBurner RSS feed and submit that to iTunes and all of the other podcast directories out there and then what that would allow me to do is publish content to my blog and FeedBurner would automatically check consistently what's going on with my blog and therefore every time there was something new in my blog, FeedBurner would take those changes, bring them in and then update the FeedBurner feed that they had provided me. And therefore, this allowed everything to be automated. And not only that, but it was much easier to duplicate for the average person, far above the ability of most people to hand code their own RSS feeds. So this is a method that I adopted primarily because it was easier for people to duplicate, and number two, it allowed me to now schedule posts in advance. Now, I said there was a second thing that FeedBurner did as well, and it's really important. It's actually this thing called a media enclosure. Now, a media enclosure is a code or a tag inside of an RSS feed that kind of makes a podcast what a podcast is. It's a little bit of code that says, hey, This is the location of the MP3 file that you want to download. And by default, your blogger blog and your WordPress blog at the time, back in 2006, 2007, they did not have great support for media enclosures. WordPress did add it later. So back in the day, the second thing that FeedBurner would do for us, as long as you had a hyperlink to the MP3 file anywhere in the post or the show notes, if you will, all you had to do is say, click the link below to listen to the episode or to download the episode. And if that was a hyperlink to the MP3 file, FeedBurner had a setting where it says, do you want to automatically add enclosures for hyperlinked MP3 files? And the answer was, yes, I want you to do that for me. And so that was the secondary thing that FeedBurner did back in the day that was really essential for us podcasters so that we wouldn't have to hand code our feeds. 
Now, when I discovered podcasting, I was already using WordPress for my content management system or for my blogging efforts, if you will. And this is the first system that I had ever used in conjunction with FeedBurner to set all of this up. One of the things that I noticed with this second option of automatically enclosing a hyperlinked media file was that occasionally I would have a hyperlink to a PDF file. And many people don't know this, but it is possible for you to have a podcast of PDFs. Now, I don't know if the latest podcasting applications out there would read anything other than an audio or video file, but in the earliest and purest form of the definition of a podcast, it's any digital media file that's released in episodic format that is subscribable and delivered via syndication feed. And PDF documents could be delivered. Even the iTunes podcasting software would receive PDF updates if people wanted to put them in. Again, I don't even know if they, I haven't seen that done in for years, but one of the problems that I had was every now and then I would notice that I would put a link to a PDF in my show notes and FeedBurner would pick that up and create the media enclosure and it would want to send that to my podcast subscribers instead of the MP3 file that was linked in the show notes right below that. And so you could force yourself to say, you know what, always make sure that the very first thing you do is hyperlink that MP3 file. Back in the day, that wasn't necessarily the the thing I always wanted to do. And so I was looking for a solution that would help me fix this. Anyway, I came across a plugin at the time called KG Enclosure Flex. And this plugin simply allowed me to manually choose a link to an MP3 file and it would automatically create the MP3 enclosure information and put it inside of WordPress exactly the way it should be. Another plugin that I was looking for at the time was the ability to add an audio player to my show notes. I wanted to make sure that people who found me on social media via Twitter and Facebook and all these other social networks that were coming online, I wanted to make sure that if they landed on my webpage that they could actually click a play button and listen to the episode right there on my website as well. And I found a plugin called One Pixel Out. And this one pixel out audio player was a flash player that would automatically look to see if you had any posts on your blog that had media enclosures. And if it did have a media enclosure, it would automatically display an audio player on your site. So with these two plugins and FeedBurner, I pretty much had everything I needed to do a podcast exactly the way I wanted to. Well... That was until the day that KG Enclosure Flex broke as a result of one of the updates that came along with WordPress. And unfortunately, the developer who was creating that plugin no longer created updates to fix whatever had broken. And so I was on the lookout for a new plugin that would allow me to do media enclosures. Now, by this time, this is several years into my journey, Uh, There are several different podcasting plugins that came out and have been made to pretty much handle everything without the need of FeedBurner. One of the earliest plugins that came out was this plugin called PodPress. And I knew in my mind I would never touch PodPress. The main reason is because back in December of 2006, I launched Podcast Answer Man and my podcast consulting and coaching business. And as a result of that, people were coming to me all of the time when they were experiencing issues or problems with their podcast feeds. And well, 
a majority of the people who came to me and hired me to help them fix problems that they had were people who were actually relying on the plugin called PodPress. And this PodPress plugin was breaking every single time WordPress had an update. And WordPress would update their software probably every three to six months. And so every three to six months, these same people were having issues over and over again where their podcasts just quit working altogether. The, even the older episodes weren't showing up half the time. And well, a lot of people got burned on it. And eventually, I think that podcast plugin called PodPress stopped being supported by its developers or whatever the case may be. I think it might have actually got purchased by Podango, which is a company that went bankrupt. I, I can't remember all the backstory on that. That stuff's not that important. The thing is, though, is when I no longer could use KG Enclosure Flex, I was looking for another plugin. And by this time, I ran into a friend named Angelo Mandato. Now, Angelo lives up in Ohio, which is not too far from where I live here. And he and I met right back at the like the earliest days of PodCamp Ohio. And he was telling me that he works with Blueberry, which is Todd Cochran's company. Now, Blueberry is a great company, wonderful support for the podcasting community all the way back to the early Wild West days of podcasting. They have been wonderful. I happen to be a huge supporter, and I highly recommend Libsyn for media hosting myself personally because, well, that's what I've used since 2006, and that's always served me well. But Blueberry is an excellent company and has great support for the podcasting community as well. Anyway, Angelo Mandato says, hey, Cliff, you know, I'm developing a plugin called PowerPress, and I would love for you to check it out. Try using it. See what you think. And of course, I was very upfront with Angelo and told him how I felt about all-inclusive podcast plugins that my experience from working with so many people who had relied on PodPress, it just wasn't a great experience. And so I was very hesitant to try something different. Anyway, he and I had a lot of conversation back and forth. He says, Cliff, what would it take? And I said, well, here's the thing. Number one, media enclosures have to go into the default tables of WordPress so that if all of a sudden the plugin stopped working, all of the prior episodes that were originally tagged and, and enclosed, they would continue working. And that was one of the biggest issues with PodPress is that if you uninstalled the PodPress plugin, that plugin was doing things in such a way that if you didn't have the plugin, the podcasting didn't work at all. And I'm like, I don't want that. And he's like, okay. And so I told Angela, I said, really, there are only two things I want from a plugin. Number one, I want a plugin that will help me create my media enclosure so I don't have to manually enter those into WordPress. And number two, I want an audio player. And I really like the one pixel out audio player. Well, I'm so thankful to Angelo because he built both of those into the plugin. I, I believe he already had the audio enclosure already. He also included the one pixel out player, which today is a flash player. And, and I would probably recommend that you just go ahead and use one of the HTML file players instead. But this was back in the day, you know, th- so it was great back then. But Angelo made sure to include both of those basic functionalities into the basic version of what is available in the PowerPress plugin. And so I made the switch over to PowerPress and I Even though PowerPress, even at that time, had the ability to give you all of the podcast tags necessary for your podcasting, it can handle what is your artwork, what's the name of your podcast, what is the description of your show. It can handle all of that stuff and include all of that inside the actual WordPress RSS feed so that you don't need FeedBurner at all. 
Even though it had all of that functionality, I'm like, no, I'm only going to use PowerPress just so that I can create my media enclosures and so that it will put the player up on my blog. I don't want to rely on PowerPress for anything else. And back then, my argument was, well, what happens if Angelo is no longer developing this plugin? What happens if Blueberry no longer supports this plugin in the future? I don't want to be so reliant on this plugin. And of course, I would not have that same concern today because, well, I think that Blueberry's pretty much proven itself. Although we all know in this world that nothing's guaranteed, but this the thing is is that what the way that I had been doing things had been working for so long and still continues to work today. So even today, I am pretty much using the same system that I was years ago. That is that when I create a brand new podcast, and by the way, I have 30 different podcasts. I have done over 3,300 podcast episodes. And even if I was launching a podcast today, I would choose one of two options. One, I would hand code my own RSS feed. I still think that is the best way to do a podcast. And if I wasn't so determined to have podcast episodes scheduled to automatically be released at a future date and time, I would still be hand coding my RSS feeds today for my own personal podcasts. But because I don't have the ability to have it automatically released at a future date and time that I schedule, I am still using the same platform. I would create the same thing I have today. I would install WordPress, and then I would install the PowerPress plugin, but still only using its most basic functionality of doing my media enclosures for my MP3 files, and also for putting that HTML5 audio player on my website for any of the posts that are podcast episodes. And then what I would do from there is I would take the RSS feed from whatever category that I have chosen to use from WordPress, I would take that RSS feed from WordPress, and I would still send it through FeedBurner today, letting FeedBurner handle all the basic iTunes tags and description and everything else. That is still how I'm doing it today personally, and that's still the way today that I teach all of my clients and students who want to learn how to podcast the way that I do. Now, the reason why this is such a big topic and why I'm including it in this episode is due to the fact that there are some benefits and some drawbacks to using FeedBurner. Now, we've already covered one of the major benefits of FeedBurner, and that is that it takes any plain RSS feed from any blogging platform and it can add all of those iTunes or podcast elements to your RSS feed, making it a full-on podcast feed. That is one of the main benefits of FeedBurner. Another benefit of FeedBurner, and one that I have been able to take advantage of personally, and one that has been taken advantage of by literally hundreds of my clients and students, and that is the fact that it makes it super easy to rebrand your podcast without losing any subscribers. So I've had students who have created a podcast platform, and let's just say it's the thebigboxpodcast.com. And that's been their platform for the last six months, and that just isn't doing it for them. They they are thinking it through. They realize that I picked this for the wrong reason, and if I I had to do it all over again, I would go with the littleboxpodcast.com. And so they want to change their URL. They want to change their artwork. They want to change the name of the podcast. They want to change everything. And well, they let's just say they already gained a 
an audience of a few hundred or maybe even a few thousand subscribers and they want to keep all of those people, the, the target audience is the same, but the branding is going to change significantly. Well, they can easily go in and get a new domain. They can change some things behind the scenes in their WordPress so that everything is now under the new domain. And because the domain name has changed, if all of a sudden those subscribers were subscribed directly to the podcast feed off of WordPress, all of a sudden you'd have to do some crazy mumbo jumbo to forward all those people over to the new URL, keeping the old URL in place for a while and all this other stuff, but not with FeedBurner. FeedBurner, it's as simple as going into the FeedBurner service and change the original feed address from bigboxpodcast.com to littleboxpodcast.com and instantly your feed will be changed over from the old brand to the new brand while maintaining every single subscriber that you had previously. And I've taken advantage of this twice with one podcast and just recently after well over 600 episodes became the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And each time I went through a rebranding, I didn't lose a single subscriber and it was simple as 20 minutes worth of work total for the complete rebrand of that podcast. Now, there is a third benefit of FeedBurner called feed caching. And you know what? I'm going to just gloss over it real quickly and just say that if your website goes offline, it is possible that your podcast will continue to remain online without being affected whatsoever because FeedBurner has a detached version of your podcast feed that is not tied to your website being online all the time. And I will just say that even one of my most popular friends out there had a website that went down for two weeks, and yet his podcast remained online as a result of the benefit of feed caching. But that's not a big draw to using FeedBurner as much as the other things that I've talked about. Now, there are some drawbacks of using FeedBurner, and I think it's important for me to share that, and of course, that's exactly why I'm recording this episode. First, you don't maintain full 100% control of your RSS feed when you put it in the hands of FeedBurner. Now, the same could be said, though, for those of you who maybe are using Libsyn as your media host, and you happen to be using the Libsyn RSS feed that you are sending to iTunes. Or if you're using SoundCloud, and you're taking your RSS feed from SoundCloud and submitting that to iTunes or any other podcast directories as well, of course. All of those are other third-party services that people are consistently, over and over again, using those RSS feeds that you personally don't have control over. If any of those companies went out of business or just sold and didn't give any notice and they shut their servers down, and by the way, my friends, this has happened with media hosting companies in the past, it, it, it is possible that you could lose control over that. Now, I do wanna say there are two companies out there that I think I trust more than anybody else out there in this space, and that would be Libsyn and also Blueberry. But I still personally would not want my own RSS feed to be in Libsyn. And one could argue, well, why not use the Blueberry plugin so that it is at least running off your own domain and you have management over it. And I certainly have thought through that as well. And I'm going to explain to you why I've considered moving away from FeedBurner, but why I keep coming back to it or why I've never left it and why I don't have any plans to leave it and why I don't have any plans to change the way that I teach podcasting. 
But what I can tell you is this, is there are some companies I will trust more than others, and Google would be one of them. And not too long after FeedBurner was created, it was acquired or purchased by Google, and Google has been running FeedBurner for years. Now, you'll probably be able to do some searching online and you'll see no shortage of people who claim that the sky is falling and that FeedBurner is on its last breath and that it's on its deathbed and stuff like that. And I will tell you that people have been saying that ever since, well, the last seven or eight years. They have been saying that every year. And the reality is is that I don't see any proof for that whatsoever. One thing I do know is that Google does have somewhat of a history of shutting down non-essential services that are not core to their business model. And that's really the argument that many people will say when it comes to FeedBurner. Although I do believe FeedBurner is more valuable than some of the other tools that they've shut down, even Google Reader. I'm not gonna go into details about that here, but I do have some convictions in that area. Now. One thing I can say is, let's just say worst case scenario, one point in the future, Google decides they want to shut down FeedBurner. It's not that big a deal. And the reason I know this is, and I can say it with such confidence, I've thought about this ever since I started using FeedBurner years ago, and certainly when Google acquired them. But here's what I can tell you is that Google, when they shut something down, they almost always, as far as I know, have given at least six or nine months of notice saying, hey, we are going to sunset this project. We're shutting it down. You have until this date to find another service to replace what we've been handling for you here with this. Number one, I want to point out, they have not announced anything to that measure for FeedBurner. But if they did, there would be plenty of time. And not only that, but there are very real practical steps that can be taken to take all of your existing subscribers and forward them to your own hand-coded RSS feed, which would be the next solution I would go to before heading over to any other solution. The first drawback of using FeedBurner is the fact that, yeah, FeedBurner could go away, right? But I'm not too concerned about that because, number one, we'd have months and months of notice maybe even as much as a year, and the steps of moving the feed would not be all of that difficult. And I can tell you this, I would have to do it for 30 of my own podcasts, and I would create a step-by-step tutorial that would walk you through without any question of exactly what you're doing, step-by-step on how to move all of your subscribers from FeedBurner to another feed. So that would not be a problem. I don't see any need to create such a tutorial right now. There are some other ones out there, but the reality is is I don't see FeedBurner going anywhere anytime soon. Now, there is a second drawback, and it is probably the drawback that, that gives me the most pause, and it is the feed size limit. FeedBurner will limit the size of the original RSS feed that it takes into its service to one megabyte. It used to be 512 kilobytes, but they did up it to one megabyte within the last year. Now, what this means is that you will be limited by the number of episodes that you can include in your podcast feed. So, for example, with the new one megabyte limit, I now know that I can get up to 150 episodes of any of my podcasts into my podcast feed. Now, if you look at Podcast Answer Man right now, you're 
if at least if you're looking at it when I'm recording or publishing this episode here in 2016, you'll probably see that there are 100 episodes in the feed. And that's because, well, that was about as much as I could squeeze into the feed back in the old 512K limit. Now, I could up that immediately to 150 episodes in the podcast feed, but the problem is, is the people who have subscribed, let's just say within the last three to six months, if they have been keeping up with my podcast and uh, have been deleting episodes as they go, knowing that you know their, their unplayed episodes is empty, if I change my feed right now to show the most recent 150 episodes, what's going to happen is the next time they open up their podcast software, they're going to see 50 unplayed episodes from my podcast archives, and they're going to be old episodes and probably not as up to date, so I, they're not even episodes I would want them to start downloading today and listen to. So for that reason, I've not increased the number of episodes that are in my podcast feed, even though I could squeeze in 150 episodes with no problem now. But anyway, this is a limitation. It's been there forever. And well, I have several podcasts that have more than 150 episodes. In fact, I have at least five different shows that have well over 150 episodes. So what I can tell you is this really isn't that big of a deal either. Now, it could be a big deal for you. And if it is, then this is something you might want to think about. But here's what I can tell you. Podcast Answerman, this is episode number 436 of this podcast. And well, going all the way back to when I had more than 100 episodes, I've always had just the most recent 100 episodes in the podcast feed. And I have a good, sizable audience. And in the past 10 years, I have had a total of maybe five people ask me, why can't they access all of the old episodes well beyond the most recent 100 episodes? About five people out of a whole lot, okay? Of course, I say this, and now probably a lot more of you are like, I wish I had access to those. Well, there are two things that I think in my mind that that goes to this drawback. Number one, uh, the archived episodes, all 436 episodes of Podcast Answer Man are available on my website at Podcast Answer Man. If you wanted to, you could access them. I realize there, you know, there is the benefit of having an RSS feed and having them automatically show up within this one program that can show them in a list and play them and download them. And the, the reality is, is I could easily go into WordPress and create a category called the first 100 and then I could create a category called the second 100, the third 100, and I could create podcast feeds just for each 100 episodes. So it could be Podcast Answer Man Season 1, Podcast Answer Man Season 2, and each season has 100 episodes. And if I wanted to, I could even submit those feeds to iTunes, and so I could do those things. I've never done it personally, and the reason why is because there isn't a huge demand for content that was created more than two years ago. So I don't really worry about that so much. Now, could there be some shows where you might say, I'd really like to have everything in one RSS feed all the way back to the beginning, and right now I'm on episode 1070? Yeah, I could see that. But the reality is it's it's not been a big deal for me, and I have trained literally thousands of people on the use of FeedBurner, 
And so far, I think I've probably had only two or three people who have ever said, you know, I really wish I could put more than 150 episodes in here. And for those people, I've shared with them some possibilities on how that is possible. I share all of that to say that there are some drawbacks. And I realize that the limit on the number of episodes that you can put into your podcast feed is really the only drawback that seems to be like, oh, wow, whoa. And for a long time, I've had a dream of creating a program that would be all about creating podcast feeds in a very simple and efficient manner that would bring it back down to the basics of hand coding your RSS feed, but doing it in such a way where software would automate the process of creating each of those new entries for you but doing so outside of WordPress and outside of any other tool or solution where it would just be a simple podcast feed creation tool. And I actually partnered with a friend of mine and we built and developed this platform together. It worked. It was completely fully functional. Uh, The user interface as far as the design elements were not quite there, but the functionality was there. I was so delighted But unfortunately, the two of us did not see eye to eye on some of the business decisions and even the future vision of what the service could be. He wanted to turn it into something that would be more like FeedBurner and actually would even go many steps beyond what FeedBurner has to offer. And my vision of it was to keep it simple and clean and easy so that it's just a no-brainer solution and it didn't bog you down with tons of options and just become another one of those tools that is known as bloatware. So we had a a couple other disagreements about how we would structure our, our partnership, and as a result of that, we dissolved that partnership, and that platform did not go anywhere. So I was even creating something that would allow for us to have all of the benefits that come with doing your own hand-coded RSS feed without being tied to any of the other drawbacks of any of the other services. Unfortunately, that didn't come to light. And I'm not saying that I won't ever do it in the future. I do have potential of partnering with some other individuals and having something like that created, but I'm just not sure that that's where I want to go in my own business pursuits at this time. So when we come down to it, What are the options for creating your podcast feed? One, you could create a podcast over at Libsyn, Podbean, or any of these other services out there that will host your media files for you and automatically give you an RSS feed. You could go ahead and take their RSS feed and use that as your podcast feed, and that is one solution. I believe that the main drawback here is what if that service goes away? I trust Lipson more than any other, but another potential drawback to using Lipson as your feed is what if you have more than one show? The way that Lipson is set up is that you would actually have one account per podcast show that you have. And well, with 30 different podcasts or with multiple podcasts, you could see yourself spending a whole lot more money than I do. Whereas I can get multiple shows hosted on one Libsyn account just by using them as a media host doing things the way that I do. So that's that's one potential option. Another option is to hand code your RSS feed. Now for me, there are two reasons why I don't choose to use this. Number one, 
Um, a lot of people want to learn how to podcast exactly the way that I do it. And teaching non-technical people how to hand code podcast RSS feeds using a text editor, it's not necessarily practical. And not only that, I very much rely on that ability to schedule podcast episodes to automatically be released in the future. And so do many of my clients and students as well. And so the third option and probably one of the most popular options that I could support but still have had lots of issues with, and that is allowing PowerPress to be your all-inclusive, everything, all eggs in one basket solution for your podcast RSS feed needs. And I do know many people who do this. And I recall one time when I had this very high-profile client who had hired me and says, Cliff, can you walk me through and, and help me set up my podcast? And I said, sure. And I told him about the potential drawbacks of FeedBurner, but why I had chosen to use it myself. And so telling him about that, he says, well, you know, if we could avoid the drawback of having that limit on the number of podcast episodes, I'd, I'd like to avoid that. And I said, okay, not a problem. We'll use the PowerPress option. And so we were going to fully configure PowerPress, you know, full on mode where we're putting all of our eggs in that basket. And we ran into the same issue that I've seen time and time again with clients who are similar to this particular client. And what I mean by that is people who are using, let's just say, 10 or more plugins that do various things within their WordPress site. And more specifically, there are about three or four plugins that are notorious for conflicting with the Blueberry PowerPress plugin. Now, I will tell you, I know the developers extremely well. I told you about my relationship with Angelo Mondado. He's an excellent programmer and I can tell you that the conflicts are not the problem of the coding within the PowerPress plugin. It's usually the offending conflicting plugin from another company and there's about three or four of them out there that are pretty popular among many online businesses and those plugins are notorious for having sloppy code that will conflict with the Blueberry PowerPress plugin. Now, I will tell you that Blueberry is very support friendly. They work to introduce workarounds and bug fixes when other plugins are conflicting. They have to push out updates, and once those updates are available, it usually will fix the solution. But the problem is, is every now and then those other developers will go in and create updates to their plugins, and thus the cycle begins again. And this was the issue when I worked with that high-profile client. We tried to get everything set up, and the client, I went back to him and said, listen, I, I've, I've looked. This is a conflict with this plugin. If we shut that plugin off, your Blueberry PowerPress plugin will work perfectly. He says, there's absolutely no way I'm shutting that plugin off. That, there, that, that That's essential to what I do. And I'm like, well, we could go to the FeedBurner option. And well, we did. But here's the deal. Every option for creating a podcast RSS feed has its benefits and has its drawbacks. So until something better comes along, I'm continuing to use FeedBurner, which has served me well 100% of the time since 2006, and to this date, using it to teach literally tens of thousands of people how to launch a podcast, 100% of the time, the way that I teach it, using PowerPress's basic functionality of media enclosures only, 
its HTML5 audio player, and using FeedBurner for the podcasting elements, it has worked 100% of the time for 100% of the people who have ever taught how to podcast. So that, my friends, is the history of FeedBurner as far as my experience, and it's why I still use FeedBurner today, and it's why I still teach it today. And well, my friends, I told you at the beginning of this episode, this was going to be a super geeky, extremely technical episode of Podcast Answer Man. I do not plan for future episodes of this podcast to go this deep into the woods of the technical aspects of podcasting. This is stuff that's more along the lines of tutorial-based education and, and things of that nature, but it is a topic that has come up several times with folks and there are, when they do ask me, hey, Cliff, why are you still using FeedBurner? And the reason that I'm creating this podcast episode is so that I can easily tell people, go check out episode number 436 of Podcast Answer Man. It's fully explained there. Guys, thank you so much for subscribing to Podcast Answer Man. If you haven't done so, I highly encourage you to check out my other podcast called The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. If you want to get an inside look of what's going on in my life when it comes to the new things that I'm approaching my business, I'm going to be talking about things like software tools that I'm using for a new shopping cart solution. I'm going to be talking about a new online membership content program that is going to allow me to do courses online. If you want to know accounting practices and things, how the business side of things are changing in the background over here, I share all kinds of details of what it's like to run an online business, to be a solopreneur, to think about products and services. All of that kind of stuff is in the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Head over to your favorite podcast directory. Just do a search for The Cliff Ravenscraft Show and you'll find it. And before I shut things down here, I want to let you know that my next session of podcasting A to Z is coming up on Monday, March 14th, just over one month from when this podcast is being released. And if you've never heard about podcasting A to Z, I want to play this little promo for you right now. Are you thinking of launching your own podcast and don't know where to start? You could have your own high-quality podcast online in just under four weeks, even if you have absolutely no technical knowledge about how podcasting works. Intrigued? 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 Since 2006, Cliff Ravenscraft, a podcast answer man, has trained thousands of people on how to launch a successful podcast. Cliff has coached top-ranked podcasters such as Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner, Dan Miller, John Lee Dumas, and the list goes on. Podcasting A to Z is a four-week group training course that leads you step-by-step through the setup of your very own podcast. Not just the technical side, but also the mindset that goes into creating a successful show as well. One thing is certain. At the end of four weeks, you will have experienced one of the best investments you can make in taking your message to the next. To learn more details about the course, head to podcastinga2z.com. Podcastinga2z.com. Helping you take everything you do to the next level.